Good. All over. Welcome to the Flick Lab. This week, in this not at all political podcast, we are celebrating how the gold and golf-loving narcissist is ousted from power. Our guest is our bond expert, Tom Frankland. How are you, mate? Do you ex- expect me to talk? No, Mr. Tom, I expect you to say hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> My co-host is uh, Henrik Telkfinger. <laughs> who unfortunately has to talk. Yep. I heard that you had some fun with Discord today. Yep, yeah, it's absolute dog shit software, which we have to use today. Because some goddamn jackasses on this podcast insist on using Macs instead of PCs. I would say hi to Henrik, but I can't understand the reply, you know. So, because we are using Macs, then you're having having a problem. I, I'm I'm having a problem because we are using Discord, and we are using Discord because you guys are using Macs. That's Tom. Don't look at me. Tom had the problem. Tom, Tom, Tom. To, to, to me, you're both equally cancerous. Yeah, we can hear you so well, Henrik, sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> this is the kind of film podcast where my co-host ridicules alongside me the over-analyzing of films. And now after, what is it, 112 episodes, he has cracked. He has cracked and is ready to argue that James Bond is in Goldfinger a communist. Yeah. Um. Do we have another option other than Discord? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yes. No, no, we don't. We don't. I'm having real trouble understanding you, Henrik. I'm, 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 having, I'm having real trouble giving birth. So. so we can be found on communistic societies, you know, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Don't forget to leave us a rating, of course, if you feel like it. Because stars and uh, hammer and sickle symbolism, they go well together. Why did we watch this film now, Henrik? I don't know. Why did we watch this one? We probably agreed that we are not going to touch Goldfinger. And we actually, we have be already been covering the whole James Bond run that we were supposed to do. Notwithstanding their most recent one, which hasn't still hasn't yet come to Netflix. Yeah. So, exactly why did we watch Goldfinger? Well, because Sean Connery died, and this coincides with Donald Trump's forthcoming exit from the White House. So, exit to the left. We're gonna have some parallels tonight. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That that's right. I I forgot the whole Sean Connery thing. So, yeah, you're right. Why why not? You know, reminisce the man by checking out the film that put Miss in misogyny. 
Absolutely. This is still the the defining defining the definitive Sean Connery film, whether you like it or not. No, no, the, 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 the definitive the definitive Sean Connery film would be The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or Avengers. No, the the def- definitive film would absolutely be Another Time, Another Place. The, the most definitive would be Charados. Which would have Sean Connery running around in in red speedos and fucking nothing else. What about that? <laughs> What about that animated film that was his last film from 2013? <laughs> 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 I already forgot the name. It was so good. <laughs> I, I I didn't even even check the other one out. I I I'm focusing that dog part of shit. Uh, at least he kind of left his last film as something that was related to Scottishness, which happened to be very important for him. So, <laughs> oh well, what's your history with this film, guys? Never seen it before. Yeah, never heard before yeah, recording yeah. this. Yeah, what 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 is this James Bond thing that everybody keeps talking about? I don't I don't know. Just okay, came I, straight from the bushes. Yeah, I I only follow Marvel Marvel films, so. But in in all honesty, who hasn't seen Goldfinger at at some point of their times? It's one of the most well known, most beloved James Bond films ever made. Me. Yeah, we skipped this on our Bond marathon that was supposed to be leading up to the No Time to Die release, which seems ridiculous at this point. Uh, but we skipped it because I have considered From Russia with Love as a. It's kind of a fan favorite, and I prefer From Russia with Love to this one. Although I, <coughs> I have kind of more closer, more fond feelings towards this film nowadays. I don't like From Russia with Love. It's not. I think this film's much better. From Russia with Love is like listening to the flick like without earmuffs. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm sure you're already missing the Alps of on Her Majesty, so we should have done that again. In in tribute to Sean Connery. <laughs> 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 Tonight's film director is Guy Hamilton. <laughs> Never heard of this guy. <laughs> Directed, I don't know, Goldfinger, Diamonds Are Forever, Live and Let Die, The Man with the Golden Gun, and a bunch of pretty forgettable stuff. Shocking. Positively shocking. In casting, we have Sean Connery. Kind of unknown indie maker, as I have pointed out before. Yeah, famous for the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and Avengers. Yeah, that's it then. <laughs> there we have Gerd Fröbe, a German actor who didn't apparently speak a word of English. And considering that, his mouth moves pretty perfectly with the dubbed voice. And if I'm not mistaken, he's own voice can also be heard for a little second in some of the trailers that were originally put out 
And it didn't sound bad at all. It was actually quite menacing and fitting. Kind of too bad. There were also screen tests uh, for the role of Goldfinger from Theodore Bickel and Titos Vandis, the latter being this uh, Greek actor. And then we have Honor Blackman playing Pusikaloo. And outside of this film, known for his role of Kathy Gate in the Avengers TV series and uh, Julia Daggett in Shalako. Later, he, she did play Laura West in the ITV sitcom The Upper Hand in the 90s, but all in all a star from the 60s, I would say. Mm. Mm-hmm. Then we have Harold Sakata, mm. Japanese-American Olympic weightlifter and professional wrestler who did won the silver medal for the U.S. at the 1948 Summer Olympics in London in weightlifting. And doesn't have any his resume, not, nothing notable apart from this film, but again, as these Bond things go, there's a weird connection to other films. At least Terence Young's 1966 film, The Poppy is also a flower, so... Terence Young, the director of Dr. No from Russia with Love and Thunderball from Bonds, TV spy film with an anti-drug message. Anything else about cast and crew, guys? I guess not. I guess not. Nah. We have already talked uh, ad nauseum about Ken Adam doing his uh, set designs. We have talked about John Barry. We have talked about... Peter Hunt, who also directed On Her Majesty's and is doing the cutting for this film and several other Bond films. Yeah. So uh, let's go on to our points of the film. Points in inverted commas. Yeah. So we start off the film with the uh, heroin banana Ramirez guy. Of course, we're touching on the Mexicans again in this podcast. And this whole Mexican opening has nothing to do with the actual story. Uh, this kind of starts the whole story with the Bond films, the whole structure, all the elements, uh, the whole formula is created with Goldfinger. <laughs> and this goes on to repeat in several other movies. But, Tom, what is the meaning of the I have a slight inferiority complex quote? Any ideas? Does, does he think that he doesn't have like an adequate... well? Penis size, maybe. Right. <laughs> yep. Maybe penis size. Um, maybe banana size. Nothing... It would go with the opening scene. I have nothing profound to say on this apart from penis size. Henrik, any thoughts? It 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 very well. It very well. Actually, I'm I'm with Tom. I believe Tom is right on the money. It, I believe also that it's it relates to penis size. But the lady seems to be pretty pleased with this info. Well, yeah, she's faking that. She's perhaps faking that she's pleased with the info. Because if there's something that you never see in porn films, you, you see the ladies, you see the fights, you see the action, you see the adventure, you see the bad guys. Shocking. Positively shocking. And from this quote, we go to the title sequence. Pretty distinct identity given from the title sequence. After, in the opening, we take care of this Mexican guy who is actually Bob Simmons, who acts in this film like 25 times with the stunt guy. Uh, there were apparently, according to John Barry anyway, 20 different <laughs> recordings at least of Goldfinger. And 
the conviction of Shirley Bassey that she has in her voice made it work. And I have to agree with that. It's mm. full of conviction. Like, okay, yeah, I buy it. I agree. Powerful voice. Very powerful voice. And one of the most legendary tracks in uh, cinema history. What can I say? And the soundtrack of Goldfinger uh -huh. also climbed momentarily above Beatles at the time. Really? Yeah, crazy. Henrik, anything else about this lady? Or move on? Yeah, let's just move on. Yeah, she also did the, <laughs> also did the singing for Diamonds Are Forever, 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 and uh, Moonraker. <laughs> she did sing uh, a song for Quantum of Solace with David Arnold, but they didn't use that. That's, that was, I don't know what was the real point for that. Was it going to be used, or was it supposed to be some kind of a placeholder fun, or what was that? But Instead, mm. they went did that went went with that Alicia Keys and her off keys performance. I don't consider Quantum of Solace a Bond film, really. Uh, well, I consider it a better Bond film than than Spectre. I disagree. I disagree. You should have been on the Spectre episode. What the fuck? Seriously. You you what, mate? Right. <clears throat> Quantum is quantum is infinitely more be better than Spectre. For once, I agree with Henrik. <laughs> Shocking. And I'm not going to give any supportive statements. Why? Because we are going to Miami. We have a really excellent and elegant establishing sequence here, guys. This is really actually. Sorry, sorry. Yes. Can I just wind the clock back three minutes? <laughs> yes. Uh, wasn't it, it hilarious how? Um... Bond twizzled the girl round into the direction of the best of the guy's baseball bat in Mexico. Remarkable. But what does the club secretary have to say? Very humorous to me. I also enjoyed when the Mexican Bob Simmons was doing this flip, going kind of over Sean Connery, and he says thousands or something, which I always hear yeah. as thousands, thousands. <laughs> You can you can tell that I've seen this movie way too many goddamn yeah, times. Yeah. <laughs> but going back to Miami. <laughs> Excellent and elegant establishing sequence indeed. It tells you right away that we are in Miami and we're gonna go to a hotel area. It shows the glamour and it very seamlessly takes us, Henrik, to the next shot with Felix. Felix, Felix, how are you? Felix, who is looking at the diver through the window and then Fe yeah she's weird yeah, she was weird really uh, okay we're gonna get to felix's weirdness and then the Fe no 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 yeah, the diver's weirdness well the creepy smile <laughs> and then Fe felix takes us to james in this scene it's like a continuous <clears throat> motion henrik when you think about it it's like this helicopter shot and then the diver jumps into the water and then we follow the divers and then the uh, Felix is creeping on the divers, and the crew diver is also creepy. But uh, you see how well this is executed. Yeah, the only th thing kind of uh, hurting the whole experience is the background images. What is in the background images? Well, the, the background like, looks very much like it's actually being shot on studio set where they are just playing, you know, a, a film footage of some hotel be behind the actors. 
it the the illusion that they would or, or the the effect that the film wants you to have that the uh, characters are on the location they are on the hotel it really doesn't come through really because i've been always completely fooled i think it looks really good but as you have said it's actually uh well it's a mixture but mostly it's shot in pinewood studios with some uh behind felix you have this this plate and when bond is being massaged it's it's obviously a studio yeah, and, and somehow that really always pops into my eye. Okay. Here we have, of course, the man talk and the ass slap. <laughs> it's the most sexiest moment in the history of the franchise. Yeah. I thought I'd find you in good hands. Felix! Felix, how are you? Dink, meet Felix Leiter. Hello. Felix, say hello to Dink. Hi, Hi Dink. Dink, say goodbye to Felix. Hmm? Um, man talk. Psh! It's amazing sound effect. Mm. Psh! And thank you for joining us. See you next week. <laughs> in, in this podcast that will soon be cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Goldfinger is considered one of the be- best written. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm sorry, I'm laughing because because of this honor, this uh, pussy galore character stuff that we will get into. But and best-selling books of Ian Fleming. So this book is quite serious in tone and takes at least death seriously. It, uh, however, it doesn't take seriously homosexuality for sure. So, so the book takes death seriously. Well, at least more seriously than the film, as we have completely tuned out. Okay. Tuned out of the well, yeah. The the kind of uh, vibes that you have in Doctor No and from Russia with Love from Terence Young's directing, and now Guy Hamilton had the idea that he feels that after From Russia with Love, James Bond as a character is, is starting to become some kind of a Superman, so he he started to emulate that here. We have, of course, the lady in the hotel. Who are you? Bond, James Bond. And uh, while the speaker is still on, the lady is saying, May I see? And, of course, Goldfinger is going to hear that. And, of course, they're going to murder the lady after that, for sure. Like, complete proof that she's in on it. Which he did murder her. Yeah, well... John Barry finally defines his Bond sound. If you listen to From Russia or Dr. No, they are quite different. And especially Dr. No, John Barry, it's it's a very 60s sound that you hear in every single 60s movies. And now it's more bombastic and loud and defined here. Mm. Station Webs gives you the latest in world news. Washington, at the White House this afternoon president said he was entirely satisfied and that makes two of us do you expect me to talk i'm not gonna this this quote is i don't know how how it's such of a fan favorite really everybody knows this quote right i don't think they do i think we should tell the audience more 
about this quote? This is kind of a funny because Felix comes into the scene and explains about the whole Goldfinger guy. And uh, they ha just have some kind of a suspicion that he is, or at, they might even know that he is smuggling this gold across the countries. But it's just kind of this suspicion thing. And then James Bond goes into to look into if there's anything, any base on those claims. We have the Q scene, where's my Bentley? Where there is no Fleming's Bentley, it's replaced with Hamilton's Aston Martin and the ejector seats and the whole thing. Everything's going way more fantastical this time around. Ejector seat, you're joking. I never joke about my work, 007. <laughs> ejector seat, you're joking. Ejector seat, you're joking. Ejector seat, you're joking. Cucumber sandwich. Afternoon tea. More. Much more. Much more. I feel really bad for Henrik. You yeah, should. Sure. <laughs> Having to listen to us two. Well, that's stupid. Not very clever. In fact, not clever at all. Quips. You know. Yes, I know. You're very sweet. <clears throat> that was a quote also, in case anybody is concerned. Yeah, uh, yeah. So <laughs> we're talking about golf <laughs> at this point. Going to the golf course, the place that Sean Connery also dearly loves. And so does Donald Trump. And so does Auric Goldfinger. Fantastic connections. Uh, are, are you trying to make the case that this is somehow uh, a statement about Trump administration? No, I'm just trying to make this episode topical in whichever way I can. They all play golf. We pity. Okay. We have this. Uh, <laughs> this episode is fucking abysmal <laughs> this far. Um, so we have this crushing of objects after the golf game. Uh, this time it's a, it's a golf ball. And in Octopussy, it's a dice crushed by the henchman. And the inspector, there's also something that the hench guy is crushing so there's this constant callbacks to this old old stuff and then we have the swiss alps we have a fancy gps system in a car before actual gps and of course there's going to be this little, little drive around the country with this uh, lady tm tilly masterson the razzie award of the film would go to her I'm afraid. Nah, she's not that bad. Well, there's the scene where she tries to go shoot Goldfinger in the forest somehow. I don't know how that's that's completed, but uh, she's like, I wasn't shooting at, I was shooting at him. This insisting voice, that's terrible moment. Well, it, it was insisting moment. And she's smiling while she's doing the dialogue. She, well, he, you, assassinations are a funny thing. Yeah. Ask Bond. He killed my sister. And this makes me very happy. Well, dead sisters are also a funny thing. Hilarious. There's a lot of hilarious stuff in this film compared to Dr. No from Russia. We are amping up the humor like 10 times. For example, we have the gate grandma lady who opens the gate and uh, and there's a lot to be seen on the expressions facial ones from Sean Connery 
you can so much read what he is feeling in every single moment. And at this moment when the lady is opening the gate, you can kind of feel that bond is like yeah, like fucking hurry up. Yeah, like like hurry up and what the hell is all this with this lady opening the and then she opens it and then we she see the machine gun on her one of those legendary moments while the effect team is using the compressed air and dummy to take out the Korean from the car. During the chase, we have the car falling, which bursts into flames because it's uh, full of gasoline, I suppose. And then this whole chase ends into him giving himself up for this dead lady. I could never understand that. I think he was doing pretty fine in the gunfight. And then he actually stops covering himself with the car and just runs into the forest. Suddenly we have this more somber, silent moment. Everybody stops firing and he runs to the lady and yes, indeed, checks her out that yes, she is dead <laughs> for some reason. On the commentary track, Peter Hunt said that her neck gets broken by the hat. I never got that. I thought it was kind of something something poisonous or left a big wound with that metallic part of the hat. Well, it didn't hit her on the head, you know. No. More like the ribcage. More like the neck. No, no, no. Or the hair. No, I think you're wrong. It's impossible. I'm always right. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> and space laser moment with this whole... Good evening, 007. My name is James Bond. Why is he telling his name, first of all? It doesn't make any sense. I guess he has decided that, well, it's my time to die here, so might as well reveal my beautiful name. I don't know. And this quote, which I'm not going to say, happens during this scene. Acetylene torch was put underneath Sir Sean's uh, reproductive uh, equipment here, which caused the flame. And of course, it's an optical addition in the editing when you have the laser beam itself. Oof, painful. Mm. And he felt inferior. He felt inferior before this laser. And this is a kind of a turning point in the film, because up to this point, it has been Bond's superhuman luck or skills or sexual power that he has been able to move on with his Goldfinger plot. But but luck has kind of now changed in a way that there's nothing he can do. He can only use his voice to persuade Goldfinger to take him off the table, which then happens to work, though. But from this point onwards, Bond is completely under Goldfinger's rule. He's now the prisoner of Goldfinger for at least half of the film's running time. And in that sense, incapacitated or not able to do all of that Bond stuff, in fact. He's up to some tricks here and there, but really he is not able to do much for the remaining of the film, which has been a big argument against the film that, well, Bond is not doing anything here. I like this uh, Mr. Ling's, this nuclear fission expert face when he notices Mr. Bond knows something about Operation Grand Slam. At this point, it's it's some kind of a shock, but then Bond uses that Operation Grand Slam word about 20 times during the runtime of the film because he's somehow, somehow so proud that he knows about Operation Grand Slam, but 
after this moment, everybody is kind of not too impressed about it. I mean, yes, we have heard about it already. Yes, yes. Bond is also, this, I found it really weird that throughout the running time of the film, Bond is also very curious to check if any of the girls he meets are Mr. Goldfinger's personal sex assistants. Like, he he wants to know whether they are giving something more to Goldfinger than just what you can observe as services. This happens with Pussy Galore, and this happens with Jill Masterson. I'm so glad. Pussy Galore makes this one quote that is maybe the most key reference to her possible sexuality here. Quote, you can turn off the charm. I'm immune. End quote. And in the original novel, indeed, Pussy Galore is clearly mentioned as a lesbian character. And in the commentary track for the film, there's this uh, James Bond expert, John Cork, who says, quote, Maybaum eliminates an awkward lesbian subplot in the novel, which fails to pay off and succeeds only in offending modern sensibilities. For in the novel Goldfinger, James Bond sets out his theory of homosexuality, which is laughably bizarre. Fleming has Bond theorizing that sexual confusion in society began, believe it or not, when women were given the vote. What makes these comments all the more incredible is that Fleming was platonic friends with many openly homosexual men, most notably Noel Coward. And John Cork continues, and in the last couple of pages states that her life of homosexuality and crime stemmed from a childhood rape. She now feels she has met a real man in Bond and is ready to convert to heterosexuality, end quote. <laughs> I'm glad this was left out. Bond is, is in kind of a next level moment here in how, well, it, it's kind of out of his comfort zone. Bond is in trouble because he can't win pussy by her charm anymore, at least for the moment. Things get a little bit harder for him. The general sexuality in Bond explodes in Goldfinger when you compare to the first two films. Anywhere he goes, the ladies are crazy about him. Except now. And we have discussed before about the strong women characters in the franchise. And this is the third one in the franchise. And already we have the strong woman character of Pussy Galore. But of course, at the end, kind of succumbs to sexual acts with James Bond. I really don't know how strong Galore is as a female character or how strong the other female characters in the franchise really have been. Outside of perhaps a couple of notable exceptions like... Okay, well, she's intelligent. She is in a position of power running this whole circus. She is independent. To the point that she is un until she is conquered, of course. And she has some yeah. kind of a backstory, so not just kind of a typical pimbo without any kind of a background. She has her own goals and resists Bond, at least. <clears throat> She's not pussy. No. Or is. And then we are teasing the Korean in this uh, Oryx stud later on and maybe this is a good point for Henrik to open up about the the Asian looking guys as the enemy of the film 
I can drop on that as well. I I don't know. They are the henchmen. Yeah, the Asian-looking guys are are the henchmen. And I suppose, story-wise, they're supposed to be all Korean. But factually, they cannot be. Or or then they are just Koreans who are speaking Chinese or Cantonese. As we can hear it in the Auric factory scene, where they are melting the gold. Yeah, the film makes... The film makes the notion that they are supposed to be Korean. No, they definitely don't speak Korean, at least in this scene. But for sure, yeah. Well, in in that in in that case, the film itself doesn't know what where where they are supposed to be and what they are supposed to to speak. Or maybe such somebody was finding some stock audio of some Asian guys talking on their guard shift, and okay, let's use this. Oh, whoops! It was Chinese or Cantonese. Well, that actually wouldn't be out of the league of extraordinary gentlemen of films and especially films from stemming from this era it's kind of a go-to failing of of hollywood films everybody does this disney does this and you name it but they kind of they just take any given language uh, not really Paying any attention? Does it fit the film? Does it fit the characters? Is is the language you you chose correct one to the nationality you are trying to present? But they just take any given language that sounds foreign or orient. Yeah, it's from those times when you really didn't need to do your background research to create entertainment. Well, I I don't know how much it's it's from any given times. I mean, Disney has. What was doing this stuff still in at least the late 90s, if if not even in 2000s. So it it's not like a thing of of the you know lost past of the 60s and 70s. It's it's something that still goes on or has been going on still pretty recently. Then we have the rumpus room scene where Goldfinger gives a hell of a lot of exposition for us about his plot. To his gangster friends, or not really, because they want their money back that they had, given for whatever purpose for Goldfinger, and the argument of why does Goldfinger tell the whole movie plot to these businessmen, who he intends to kill anyway? That's a good point, but even if you listen to the commentary track where John Cork claims that this is all done here to get some well-masked exposition, period. I mean, yes, it is, but not period. There's a very good point why he would do it to explain the plot. Because this guy loves the attention, just like Donald Trump. You're really reaching at this point. But seriously, think about the golf scene, for example. Goldfinger says to Bond, it seems I'm too good for you. And then there is the moment when Bond says at the Oryx stud, Operation Grand Slam. I really did enjoy your speech. And then he... Thanks for yeah, a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, did I. I'm, I'm, I'm not counter-arguing you, arguing you on the point that Goldfinger loves the attention. I'm, I'm mere, merely pointing out that I think that, you know, you trying repeatedly to, to tie this down with uh, current political events in U.S. is kind of a wasted attempt and really trying to reach too far with the podcast and with, the, with today's episode. Uh, this comparison, though, has been done by several Bond fans. Uh, it's not always working so well, but there are clear similarities. This this bragging about 
my my gold stocks which are which are considerable and i'm too good for you at golf and he likes to talk for the sake of talking so bragging once again seriously seriously born fans need to have more sex and of course he like this both they're... both people are overweight they both have yellow hair <laughs> both like money it's it's time to end end it's it's seriously Kari, it's time to end end virginity on this podcast sorry it's time to end the virginity on this podcast i'm trying to break the virginity it's it's time to break the virginity in this podcast like obviously, obviously, with all these comparisons between Bond films from from sixties and and Donald Trump, there is there's a certain lack of of having sex that can clearly be seen in in Bond fans. Did you get that, Tom? Um, I apologize. I was just I forgot to bring my cup of coffee from the kitchen. So, yeah. Who cares about this? Podcast? I think so. And then... I know, I know. There are some quotes from Gold. There are some lines from Goldfinger during the Rumpus Room as well, which are not referring to necessarily any Trumpian moments. But there's a quote. It can be. I think the expression is blown. And then second quote. Pusikalo and his flying circus will spray it into the atmosphere. But as it turns out. All these sexual connotations aside, I think Bond is potentially the only one doing any lethal spraying here. Would you not agree? <laughs> this goes tits up with Delta 9, but okay, it's the, it's the 60s. They don't still know about AIDS. <laughs> okay, I, 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 reached the <laughs> I reached the bottom part, I guess. We can close this podcast. <laughs> I feel bad for Kari now, you know. He has Kari has the shittiest guests. <laughs> who offer absolutely nothing. Why why is it that during the Bond ep- episodes I, I try to come up with something really fun and then people are just mute. <laughs> I feel bad for myself still. <laughs> uh, uh, shall we inject a uh cucumber sandwich to uh, fill the content gap let's try that uh, afternoon yeah. tea yeah cucumber sandwich yeah so how many listeners do you guys have now as well there's the guy in siberia last christmas we had the goal that at least my mom would listen to and i think henrik's mom did did tune in <laughs> but she didn't stay with us for too long no 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 she she quit after five minutes Five minutes. Wow. Yeah, and apparently I'm not her son anymore. I'm being dissolved from the from the testament. And Henrik Goldfinger is also delusional that he thinks he can pull off this whole plot, kind of like Donald Trump. Can, can you not see the infinite similarities between the characters? God, God damn! God damn it, man! Goldfinger's plan would have worked, but it didn't. Or Goldfinger. Is far smarter than Donald Trump. Okay, that he is. They may be similar appearance-wise. Gold hair, tan, slightly huge. Mm. But there's a difference in brain size. But I was 
pulling all these uh, very sexual connotation-wise or a Goldfinger quotes for you, and I got no reaction. But how about this one? When they're under the model, and Honor Blackman takes the legs, pulls, pulls the legs of Sean Connery, uh, literally, and then he goes like, Pussy, who thought you judo? And she replies, At the gun you took. And then Sean Connery completely freezes here. Is this some kind of a hint that Bond's penis thought Pussy some judo? Like, no. Snap out of it, Bond. <laughs> Cucumber sandwich. Uh, Afternoon tea. <laughs> yeah, uh, shocking, shocking. Positively shocking. Emos. <laughs> Henrik is eating lead at the moment. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm slowly trying to kill myself. I mean, maybe we've just. Ex- Extracted every last drop from this Bond <laughs> series. <laughs> but um, at 121, I feel that the film is going much into a filler direction. There's some scenes that are absolutely not necessary, and the pacing of the film is slowing down quite considerably. Which scenes do you think are, are not necessary? Well, I felt that it was good to keep it in, but I felt that it slowed it down when, when Pussy Galore and Goldfinger are drinking their mint tulip or whatever the hell it was. Oh, that's a great scene. It's a great scene, but... Are you kidding me? It's pretty much the only scene where... It's the only scene, I think, where Goldfinger and Pussy Galore are talking to each other, just one-on-one. So, And they're talking about their yeah. future and what they want to do. That's <clears> nice, but I think it slows it down a bit. And then they're, when they're at the stud, there's a lot of wandering scenes. It's, it's starting to feel like a Guy Hamilton fi- film again. Like, for example, in Live and Let Die, there's a lot of moments in the boat chase or after the boat chase that are just dragging on the film. There's nothing really plot-wise happening. The plot is just completely off now. There's, there's nothing to tell until they get to the Fort Knox. And, of course, the conquering of Pussy Galore. I just think the film is running pretty slow. For example, when the Pussy Galore and uh, the circus is spreading this not Delta 9 into the atmosphere... It takes a long time. Mm. Similarly, it takes a hell of a long time when they are filming the car crashing scene with the Mr. Solo. They are filming the entire thing and showing us the entire thing. Interesting quote-wise, this uh, that Mr. Ling's government, I suppose China, has given Goldfinger a bomb, particularly dirty, coupled with iodine bomb, which will make the radio the gold radioactive for fifty-eight years, of course. Not 57, not 57, but 58 years, in fact. So is this a reference to Chinese government? I suppose it is. Okay, well, there is this uh, attack on Fort Knox with the so-called nerve gas and uh, blowing up the front gate of Fort Knox. Here, Connery worried about his wrist because he was uh, in this cuffs with Harold Sakata playing Ojab and started to get his wrist irritated. So he was really worried that he would not be able to play goddamn golf for some time. There's the uh, so-called bird's cough in this, this atomic bomb. Nobody knew what an atomic bomb would look like. So they pulled something out of thin air. And they also pulled off this whole cuff to an atomic bomb part inside Fort Knox. It's not in the Ian Fleming novel in any way. Apparently the sets were also very convincing because Ken Adam, the set designer, said that 
United Artists received around 300 letters, according to him, after the film was released, asking how were they allowed to film inside Fort Knox when even the president of the US wasn't allowed in the place. Well, duh. In the fight scene, Harold Sagara got a few sparks on him during his kind of execution of odd job. And there's another source that said he even got badly burned, but stayed in the role until Hamilton called it cut. Can you imagine if this podcast was televised? You would have Carlos <laughs> talking all the time, and me and Henrik just looking at the floor. <laughs> so speak something. Well, well, well. There, there was a moment in time when Kari was was having high hopes that we would actually start to do YouTube videos. Yeah, let, let's let's just do it. It will will be a completely different kind of pressure here to just keep on going with babble, babble, babble. There would really be no pressure, at, at least on my end. <laughs> like I'm, I'm completely fine on being on YouTube video and just, just looking at the floor and ne- not say a thing. Yeah, but why, why do you think they start the attack only after the guys have entered Fort Knox? Is it just because they want this way how somehow to secure the bomb first that they know the location when they turn it on? Because apparently they got some radiation signal from the bomb when it's the, the electricity is turned on or something like that uh, I, I don't know maybe they are hoping for some kind of an element of surprise here but yeah but they kind of let the, those guys destroy the whole front gate and everything is it really necessary I guess it is well front gates are pretty cheap still like, come on, come on, they, they have a whole whole Fort Knox worthy of gold. So there, there's plenty of gold to buy yourself a new gate. It's just, you know, borrow one bar and, and return it at some point after you fixed your gate. Yeah, I'm starting to feel the calling of other kinds of bars at this point. But uh, did you notice that there's some kind of a guardian angel again for James Bond? Not only that he is unable to do much when he is taken as a prisoner for the half of the film, and, but there is some soldier shooting the other soldier, soldier of Goldfinger. He's about to shoot Bond, but this guy saves the day. Kind of like from Russia when we had the Guardian Angel as Red Grant. Anyway, this is uh, the moment where the bomb is stopped at 007 seconds, of course, which originally was uh, 003 seconds. But it was changed for shits and giggles to 007. And this explain also, also the, explains also the dialogue moment when Bond says that three more ticks and Mr. Goldfinger would have hit the jackpot. I think that's, that's all the trivia. Do you want to actually analyze the film at, at this point since you're so silent there? Henrik, <laughs> Henrik you have something there. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what you're referring to. I, I have absolutely nothing. I'm currently deleting deleting the cuckoo dog as we speak. Well, I know that uh, especially in 1964, not much was known about Fort Knox. And definitely there were zero photographs from the inside of Fort Knox. So nobody knew what it looks, looked like. So they had to just come up with some kind of a set. That, But um, when it comes to different kinds of gold reserves around the world. According to Ken Adam, they are quite 
uninspiring. So he wanted to make this very grandiose hole for the insides of the Fort Knox. And that's really nice and cool. Yeah. And uh, any comments on how depressurizing and airplanes work? I guess it's not too far from the truth to an extent. Well, I'm I'm like never been in a depressurized airplane, but I somehow doubt that that's what happens to you when if if you are body positive person on an airplane when the plane is depressurized. Coming into pussy once again, Guy Hamilton was kind of defending the way that the the male female character is structured often in these films, at least in the sense that, as it was mentioned here, they can be independent, intelligent, have have a backstory of their own, and and strong in a sense. Where when this suggested rape of Pussy Galore, so to speak, happens, <laughs> it's more like she has already given at least the hint that she is in some way digging this guy. But then that she would suddenly start to be with him or feel for him after Bond has forcefully kind of pushed himself on her. It's still quite creepy material. I don't know if you can call it a rape, but sexual harassment then? Uh, a girl enjoying sexual harassment? Well, she never actually did give her consent to Bond. So wh why not? Let's count it as rape. Bond, Bond, is a, Bond is a rapist in in Golden uh, in Goldfinger. But then again, what else can you actually expect from a godless communist? So Yeah, what is this communist talk? Let's get to it. No. <laughs> what, what, what? Come on, come on. In in Goldfinger, Bond is is a goddamn neo-communist. That that's Essentially, the, the whole character. So you're giving me silence about my the the quotes that I found as sexual innuendos, but you're just getting forward with this for like the next thirty yards and suggesting Bond is a communist. <laughs> most, mo most definitely, yeah. I'm, I'm. I don't think Joe Rogan is going to have us on his podcast anytime soon. <laughs> we all make mistakes. Especially Joe Rogan. Well, 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 he 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 should, he should. Yeah. Unless he's a communist like Bond. So. What? So <laughs> why is <laughs> why is this so ice cold? <laughs> I mean, Goldfinger is very cold. <laughs> as 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 far as the lyrics well, go. Well, well. Yeah, J that's your that's your answer right there. James Bond is a commie. How come? Well. I mean, when the film film properly starts, when Bond gets his mission, he gets it from the Bank of England. Doesn't really get it directly from the government. He gets it from the bank heads, and it's it's kind of a telling when you look at the mission that Bond is given. The, the franchise is has been pretty strong on on the notion that the double O agents are licensed to kill. That that's the the whole gimmick behind the double O's. So they more or less, they are government sanctioned assassins. And now the Bank of England of all goddamn things is, is coming to, you know, ask the government to, you know, 
start an operation where they are going to use a governmental assassin. So of course it kind of begs the question why? What's what's so what's so important in in Goldfinger that that assassin is needed? And the Bank of England, the the whole kind of a reasoning the dude gives to Bond is that well Goldfinger is making like a whole shit ton of money. Like like certainly certainly there there is the whole plan of of you know using atomic device to to contaminate the gold bullion. That that's Goldfinger's end game. But the Bank of England, England does not know this. That the only reason they have to ask for Bond's help is because a Goldfinger buys gold cheap and sells high and makes profit, which is nothing more than you know your average free market capitalism. That's that's what every store owner does. Your your that the dude who owns your next door grocery store buys cheap from the producers of grocery goods. And sells high to the end customer that is you. The the biggest crime that Goldfinger perhaps can be accused of at this point of film when Bond is being given his mission is is I don't know tax evasion at best. And, and, and somehow MI6 so, somehow MI6 kind of condemns that you know that's that's worthy of 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 putting you on governmental hit hit list. I'm too tired for this kind of discussion. Like obviously, well, you are the one who asked for the. You, you're the one who asked for the goddamn discussion. I was keeping. You are the goddamn shot. guy who wrote it da- down. So we now now we have to look at it. <laughs> but and but, then, then you ha- have to actually actually check out how how Goldfinger is being being portrayed and framed in the film, which. In in other words, the film uses every single cheap shot in the book to frame Goldfinger as a bad guy and as a loser. Like as as Gary has mentioned, that there's a, there's a whole number of these factors. But but first of all, Goldfinger is is body positive. Can't say fat, but you know, body positive person. Especially when you compare the, uh, compare him to. To Comrade Bond, who is very fit and in peak of of male physicality. Yeah, Joe Biden and, and Donald Trump. Yeah, es- es- essentially, and and so Joe Biden is is more to the left, which is also where the communists are. So <laughs> you know, full full USSR are there, and also something to note. Goldfinger is the character who has to pay for women to merely show up with her, with him. This is this is a point that is made perfectly clear in in that card card playing scene. Well, what is the name of the lady that Bond interrupts, who works as a spy for Goldfinger? Jill, what was her name? In the hotel, Jill Masterson. Yeah, it, yeah. Jill Masterson makes a makes a point. That Goldfinger pays to her to show up with him. It, it's it's Goldfinger isn't even paying for sex here. He he's like your goddamn ultra mega incel who has to pay pay to a woman just so that the woman would show up in a public place with him. And then there is the 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 kind of a constant need that Goldfinger has to win. 
like, like the, the the ultimate bad thing that can happen to Goldfinger in in the film is that he would lose something. He he loses he loses completely his shit when he starts to lose at the card game. He loses his shit when he loses the golf game. Goldfinger essentially he just wants to win. And then there's the whole theme song that just you know Goldfinger yada yada yada. And how how Goldfinger drags you into his web of lies, and his heart is cold, and you yeah. know negative attribute after negative attribute. <laughs> then there are the henchmen, the henchmen who are who are Korean in a in a film that that was made after the uh, after the divide of two Koreas. The film never actually points out to you are the Koreans for from the from the north or the south, but well, nothing actually highlights to you that they would be North Koreans. In in fact, the film makes a point how they all really know well into code and they, they have the scientific knowledge and they have must have had an access, you know, to the state of art scientific equipment so that they can become the Jose scientists that Goldfinger is utilizing. So most likely they are South Koreans. And at this point, this was the point of time when South Korea was heavily being influenced by by US. So, of course, South Koreans who are in bed with the Americans are now the bad guys for Bond. And then there's the whole goddamn coloring scheme of Goldfinger, which is something that you, Gary, already pointed out, where his hair is, is yellow, Basically, everything he dresses up in is somehow hints back to his obsession with gold. Goldfinger himself points this out when he says that I I love gold. I love gold's color. I just can't get enough of it. And well, that essentially is Goldfinger. He is a character who is being mostly defined by his obsession, his bottomless obsession to have more and more gold. And then there's even the dude's name. Ulrich Goldfinger, the, the, the first ones being AU, which are, you know, the, the chemical short for, for gold. So Goldfinger, essentially, he's, he's a character who is completely being defined down and completely identifies through his, his obsession to gold. He's, he's kind of a physical walking embodiment of greed in every aspect of the world. And this is this is the bad guy who, who Bond has to knock, starts to, you know, hunt down because of tax evasion. God damn it, like, Bond, Bond is a communist, hands down. Well, I would say it's way more than about tax evasion at this point when he's trying to poison and explode the entire Fort Knox. And Once again, once again, yeah, at that point... But that's not why Bond is being given his mission. Bank of England yeah. does not ask Bond to, to you know, so, go after Goldfinger because well, he's poisoning the Port Knox. Thank you for those thoughts, Henrik. <clears throat> Back to the studio. Yeah, you're welcome. You are, you are the one who asked for this. Goddamn jackass. <laughs> yeah, we really helped to sell the James Bond franchise. Well, you know, th- this podcast is, is well, nothing if, if not paying tribute to Sean Connery. <sighs>
<laughs> I mean, what to say? All those things that you listed about Goldfinger's personality, his will to stick on to power and win at all costs and has material interests above human interests. It's all from the Trump playbook. <laughs> are, are you trying to hate capitalism there, Calgary? Is, is, is that what you're driving at? Is, is your hard-on for Biden so great that you are now actually turning against capitalism itself? No. I am disgusted, my so, good man. I'm Trump disgusted. Ob- um, Goldfinger, obviously, if he's breaking the tax law, then it doesn't make James Bond a communist. If he's breaking the law of capitalism, then that's breaking the law of capitalism. And then, therefore, James Bond, as the defender of capitalism, has to go and chase Goldfinger and stop his actions. Well, I'll... Not not really, because because evading tax is something that greatly helps capitalists. Like that's 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 in capitalism 101. If you are if if you are really well off capitalist, you know, avoid taxes at all costs. That's basically everything that you know every bank owner in Finland is doing. Everyone who owns a major business in Finland is trying to do. Avoid taxes as much as humanly possible. Cucumber sandwich. So essentially, what Bond is going after here, he is going to going after a free market entrepreneur, aka a capitalist. Doubt. Tom, anything on that? Um, Henrik, I I, I think you have developed from our first uh, rear window episode into some kind of a super monster analyzer of this show, the one that we tried to escape from. In the beginning, <laughs> but okay. You you are just you are just uh, tr- trying to lampshade me here because you know in in your heart, in your core of your being, you know that I'm right. I pretty much have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, that's what you say. <laughs> okay, so. Do you think Goldfinger is worthy of all the praise and the hula balloa and saying that it's possibly the best entry in the entire franchise? It did start the Bond mania. Goldfinger and Thunderball had that Bond mania about them. The whole world was basically about James Bond or at least half of it. Do you think this has uh, survived the test of time and do you like the, the changes that the franchise started to have at this point? And do you like the form- formalization of this recipe here? Of course, because I don't want to end up in a gulag. <laughs> Tom? I think this film is definitely worthy of the praise that it receives. It's really good, but uh, this was never anywhere near of being my favorite James Bond film. It might be because... I think there's this a lot of loose moments where it just starts to drag a lot and that's the typical Guy Hamilton experience for me usually. I will say this the character of Auric Goldfinger is incredibly well acted. He's uh, the guy who plays him is a great actor. Yeah, and, uh, definitely. And also the guy who dubbed uh, Gerd Frobe in this film, I can't remember who but he really delivered the 
the passion. But maybe I have some something against this film sometimes because it's it's the film that made this franchise more fantastical and I'm not sure if I necessarily needed it. I do appreciate the added humor here. I do appreciate that at least for the first half of the film, the film keeps moving quite fast. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Why you were so against really popular films? <laughs> Goldfinger is one example. I'm the Godfather. I, 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 have a, I, I have an answer for you. I have an answer for that one. It's, it's because, it's because, wait for it, Curry is, is really, 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 really pretentious. Is what? Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't hear it. And nor could I, actually. Well, 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 well the word I uttered in, in no way was pretentious. In no way presents me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that, that, that's what I heard. Good. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, well, you, you are, of course, the mainstream enjoyers of cinema. All, all the more power to you. Usually, it might be, indeed, that when I'm watching something that is more mainstreamly accepted, I then tend to be more critical about the film like is it really that good as people say and for example Henrik I think I, I consider Apocalypse Now in some ways to be quite mainstream most people like agree that it's a hell of a great film and I do agree on that point but I ha- I do have my objections when it comes to The Godfather or the unlimited praise for Goldfinger why are you so against the Godfather. It's a fantastic film. It's a fucking boring film. That's what it is. From the No, it's not. Even from the starting from the color spray on. It's made and it's, it's made Rick? as depressing as possible. Gary opposes God Godfather because Godfather is made by American studio system. You're just asking for a Korean studio system movie for next one. Well, knowing you, I'm I'm pretty sure that it's going to be North Korean. And that's what we do in this podcast. Not that mainstream shit. We are edgy. <laughs> we are original and we support international cinema. Like Goldfinger. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Which is the most mainstream Bond film you get. It is, it is. Silence. Thank you. <laughs> What's next? Uh, I do recommend Goldfinger, but it's far from my favorites. And you guys? I do recommend this this film. Goldeneye is such a great film. Mm. This is the film we're doing, right? Goldeneye. <laughs> Golden Gun? Yeah, sure. I thought it was Moonraker. I'm getting too desolated here, Mr. Tom. <laughs> Favorite performance? Oh, Auric Goldfinger. For me, Sean Connery, and uh, he's very animated. Animated facial expressions. You can always see what he's kind of thinking, and there's 
a lot going on in this, in that phase of his. So Sean Connery, great performance. I have to go with with Goldfinger also. Connery is Connery is good, but this is not the best Connery you can you can get. The best performance from from Connery was hands down in in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which oh, is a timeless Christ. classic cinema. The amount of times that that film has been mentioned in this podcast is, is something something extraordinary. Are we doing the uh, too busy to die? Of course we are. Hopefully, yeah. Once they release the film first. Yeah. Too preoccupied to perish. Perish. Favorite quote from Goldfinger. Oh my goodness! Uh, um, <laughs> do you expect me to talk? <laughs> no, no, that's not allowed. <laughs> uh, for me, it would be the moment where there's this 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 very informed and English accented guy and M in this large room having their drink and dinner and he goes like have a little more of this rather disappointing brandy what's the matter with it i'd say it's it was a 30 year old fine indifferently blended sir with an oven dose of bon bois general smithers is giving the lecture 007 it's kind of a nice competitive moment between bernard lee and and sean sean connery kind of enjoy that M is getting kind of awkward by the amount of information that Bond has. Ah, ah, is my favorite quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm gonna go with the with the famous "You expect me to talk? No, Mister Bond, I expect you to talk. No, I expect you to choose something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not gonna have anything else. God damn. Yeah, we really did this film justice. <laughs> we 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 really did Connery's legacy. Just it's a really really great tribute to Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> I was not here to pay tribute as much as I was going to do Goldfinger episode because this episode has to. Uh, has to go through the test of time and not just be topical about Sean Connery's death. It has to be about Goldfinger. Right, right, right. And I promise we didn't use yeah, no. Sean Connery's death to promote the podcast. We prom- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it has, to st- it has to stand the test of time and not just be topical. So, you know, five million remarks about Trump. <laughs> um, yeah. favorite kill mm. I would go with the, the Mexican heroin banana mustache man uh, Jill Masterson's death is pretty original mm. yeah that is great but too cliche to choose I'm gonna go with yeah, I'm gonna go with the moment when Trump flies out of the plane window. Right. That that's that's straight straight up straight up David Lynch's the Dune nonsense, and it's glorious. 
Looks fake as fuck. Yeah, th this is the end of the Trump term, flying out of the window. Or is it? <laughs> I sincerely hope so. Well, that's not that's not what Donald Trump thinks. Yeah, careful, Cario. He's gonna sue the podcast. Choose your next witticism carefully, Mr. Tom. It may be my last. Yeah. yeah. Three adjectives to describe Goldfinger. Shocking. Positively shocking. Positively shocking. <laughs> and positively. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Shocking. Uh. Mm. Uh. Yeah. yeah, well, I'm going to go also with shocking and, and fingering <laughs> and ass slapping. <laughs> Loud, ingenious. Funny. Complete the sentence, please. You really know you're watching Goldfinger when... Carrot expects me to talk. <laughs> <laughs> you cheap shutting bastards. <laughs> you really know you're watching Goldfinger when... <clears throat> When Henrik thinks James Bond is a communist. You really know you are watching Goldfinger when a body positive man flies past you and asks you, you expect me to talk? And you go, no, I expect you to die. Yeah, I guess that's it. And uh... <laughs> thank God. <laughs> The baby is asleep now. <laughs> I repeat, the baby is asleep. Yeah. Or is it? Well, for what do we wake up the podcast again next week, Henrik? Which film? I, I, I don't know. Who other Hollywood celebrity has recently passed away? <laughs> I honestly don't know. <clears throat> but see you next week. I hope. <laughs> and uh, uh, until then. I hope. In in memory of of Sean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, Tom, for joining us. It was a pleasure as always. My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>